Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast. Afghanistan's semi-final prospects are still very much alive as they put in a superb display over Sri Lanka, beating them by seven wickets and 28 balls remaining. Sri Lanka couldn't really build on their good start. 134 for two became 241 all out, losing their last eight wickets for just 107 runs. The target was 242 and it was one that Afghanistan hauled in with relative comfort. I'm Yazrana, and with me today is our resident Afghanistan expert, Cam Ponsami. Cam, this is Afghanistan's third win of the tournament, and I was struck by how uneventful it was. No frills. Rashid Khan in his 100th ODI was fine, but didn't do anything spectacular. Nabi had a quiet game, as did Gurbaz, but they still got the job done with relative ease. Yeah, I think it's kind of been... The win that their coach, Jonathan Trott in particular, has just been kind of calling out for, like crying out for even. Like we always think about smaller cricketing nations having like exceptionally talented individuals and how they almost need those people to stand up and have like the tournaments or matches of their lives. Whereas this is the second match in a row where they've just just won. Um, Jonathan Trott has spoken about in a batting perspective. He said, look, we, we have six hitters but we, we need to be, get better at just turn over the strikes. And we had that amazing footage of their, their board that we, I think I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Like how are we going to chase down 240? It's like, we're going to be at 50 after 10. We're going to be at 100 after 20, 150 after 30, and so on and so forth. And just breaking it down to be as simple as that. It reminded me of when, I think it was when Paul Lintz was manager of Blackburn or something, and someone zoomed in on his um, notes and he'd drawn a little like box and just said, shoot, basically. It's like sometimes <laughs> the simplest plans are the best. And it means that they're in with a, a shout of qualification now. We still need loads of things to kind of go together. So the permutations, I can't, it hurts my brain. But if Afghanistan keep winning, then we're with a shot. Mm. That was a great moment where they showed that whiteboard because I thought it was reassuringly straightforward. It was sort of mocked on social media. But this is a side that rarely has to score that much more than 280 odd. And it makes such a difference if they can get scores of between 240 and 280 
consistently because that's not something they've done huge amount of in the past. So, you know, the reason why they aren't doing even better in the tournament is that they had a stinker with the bat against Bangladesh. We were talking before we started recording is uh, some people, there's been a lot of debate about how how much have Afghanistan's results actually been upsets? Well, yeah. one, they only play three games against a side ranked in the top six in the last four years. So many of their players, not even so many, some of their players have got very good T20 records, but haven't done that much in early guys. And if they have, they're not against elite teams. You just had the Asia Cup gone by where they finish bottom out of the teams that ended up going to the World Cup. So this isn't a side with loads of ODI success behind it. It was no... By no means a formality that they would get two wins, let alone three, even even one win after what happened in, in 2019. And I think Trot should actually get quite a lot of credit for turning this into a unit that has consistently got decent scores at the back because some of the players are new in Rahman Allah and Zadran. But also, Rahman Shah has been around for years, middling ODI record. Hashmatullah yeah. has been around for years, middling ODI record. Asmatullah has barely played international cricket. So this isn't exactly a side uh, who, who've done this in the past. I think it's interesting in that it's kind of an appointment and uh, a method of success that's kind of at odds with the modern game. We're so used to hearing pe- people about kind of, we want to raise our ceiling. We want to have the best potential. Like we can play volatile cricket and we're going to get 250 and 20 overs. And if we get bowled out for 90, who cares? It doesn't matter. Whereas Jonathan Trott seems to be, his focus has been, can we lift Afghanistan's floor, basically? Because I remember we sat here after the New Zealand game and it was so frustrating. It was like, it was like a cliches cricket thing where Afghanistan fielded like absolute morons. They, they were bad. It was mm. a bad cricket performance. And today they were like, they'll rock it hot. Like there was a ma- an amazing moment where um, in the space of, I think it was two balls or two minutes or whatever it was, um, the ball went out into the covers the throw comes in, direct hit, then trickles away for an overthrow. The throw then goes in for the other end. It's another direct hit. So we've had two throws, two direct hits. And then it was when I think Sri Lanka was six down. I can't remember which batter. He drops it into the offside. I think yeah, it was Chimera. Think it was, was Chimera because that was really bad cricket because it was the last ball over. Chimera's batting with Matthews and he's trying to pinch, pinch the strike. Pinch a single to get back on strike. Yeah. He's a thinker. He and works. then, but it was the third direct, third direct hit, of hit the in over. a row. And just kind of just seeing that in terms of how uh, much that's changed and how different a performance it was. Because against New Zealand, they were were throwing catches on the floor. It was like embarrassing. And it also, we'd had that video of Trot and Afghanistan talking in the changing room after the England win where the fielding was very obviously a thing. Like that they were joking about. They were joking about happily because they'd won, but it was an issue that everyone knew about. Mm. And today they were so tidy. It was such a kind of clean and effective and kind of like wipe down surface performance where it was like, right, cool. We've played you. We're better than you. Let's win. On to the next one. Thomas, how much credit should we give Trot for se- seemingly bringing this calm and maturity to the Afghanistan side, especially the the new generation of players like Ikram, Azmat, and Ibrahim? I think I'm at risk of kind of re- repeating myself. I guess it's we're talking here about a player who was famed for being boring, basically, and I'm I'm kind of being deliberately cruel there. And when you think about it, if, if could you imagine a world where Jonathan Trott is announced as England white ball coach with the background of the last eight years, we've had like, no, you can't because it's kind of like, well, hang on, like, could you launch it out of the ground? No, you couldn't. But it has really helped them from a batting perspective. I know you've said this before, like uh, kind of Afghanistan's middle order has been perceived to be potentially like the weakest in the, in the competition. Basically, like, this, is, this is where they're weak. They have a great spin unit. They've got a couple of lads who can whack it, but can they churn out runs basically? And now we're in a situation where six games into the into their World Cup campaign, their entire top six has made a half century. 
I thought that might have been an impressive stat. And then I clicked on uh, Sri Lanka's bank stats <laughs> and they've done the exact same thing. Nevertheless. But you're, le- but you're less surprised about that with Sri Lanka than you are. Yeah, exactly. Whereas there's just been a depth of performance. Whereas as we go back again to like Rashid Khan's the obvious example, he's averaging like 37 with the ball in this competition. Mm. All their bowl- There's only one bowler for them who's averaging less than 30. That's Noor Ahmed and he only played one match. Like this is a team that has just collectively within the group performs at a level to be competing for a World Cup semi-final spot. It's not been the case that um, Gerbaz has hit 500 runs at a strike of 150 and Rashid Khan's ripped through teams. Like mm. this, is, this has been a very kind of overall team performance that's got them this far. Fazal Hakfariki was very good today. It was amazing that Afghanistan actually dropped their player of the match from the last game, Noor Ahmad, uh, in the side for one game, out the next, having done very well. And Fazal Hakfariki, who was left out of that Pakistan game, comes in, but- takes four for 34. And I've just found it quite interesting all tournament how Afghanistan have done very well with the ball with, as you say, without necessarily individuals having um, spectacular performances so for, so far this tournament the scores against afghanistan are new zealand 288 pakistan 282 india 273 or 35 overs okay sri lanka 241 england 215 and then even in the game that afghanistan lost to bangladesh bangladesh were only on 154 after 35 overs there are very few bowling attacks as good and as diverse as them in the tournament um, mark nicholas and commentary was talking about a conversation he had with Atherton, where Atherton said, has there ever been a bowling attack with four spinners as, as different as theirs in the same team as they had against Pakistan? It's a good and character witness. I also think as well, it's really interesting how teams just seem to consistently go quite slowly against them. It's like they, they, they don't feel like they're able to take risks against sort of anyone other than the, 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 the new ball guys. I think, and this potentially plays into what we're talking about with Sri Lanka was that the, the criticism of Sri Lanka was, um, oh, they kind of didn't show enough intent. They didn't really go anywhere. I was like, and I, I, that didn't quite sit right with me because they were 130 for two off 27. Like that, for the sake of argument, that means you're going at fives and you get to 150 for two after 30, you go, all right, we're going to get 300 and win the game basically. And it was a case of what you're saying there is there's no real let up. If you've got a bowling unit there that all performs their jobs, it's like, where okay, where's our obvious kind of risk-taking opportunity? And even though you've got all these players who aren't actually ripping through sides, people have to deliver in them. Mujiba Rahman's ball to get, I think it was Samara Wickrama today. It was absolute seed. Like, it's spanning so viciously. Mm. I remember watching they do that replay and you see, like, the close-up of the hand. And I was like, I don't know how, like, I don't know, is it triple-jointed? Is he quadruple? Like, how has he managed to get that many revolutions on the mm. ball? And so from that point onwards, you're going, you're getting into a middle order on the Sri Lanka side where, and this is kind of hindsight speaking, they've had a lot of kind of disruption to their team and guys coming in and out of the side. And it's like, okay, we need you to go at six and sixes and sevens now against lads kind of spinning it both ways. And it's very, very difficult. And as a result, Afghanistan bowled fantastically well and bowled them out for, what was it, 242, which is a score I feel like I've seen scored about a million times in this World Cup. Feels about right. Yeah. It feels like it was about 10 years ago now, but there was that controversy, relative controversy after their first game where Rashid Khan was brought on really late yeah. and Jonathan Trott said, well, that's not a directive that's come from me. But, you know, when it works well and the other guys bowl well, suddenly if you're only going at fives, 
and you got and you and even even if you've only lost a couple of wickets, suddenly it's really quite hard to attack the back end of the innings when you got Rashid Khan coming on, and you know he's going to bowl about a third of of, of the last 30, 20 overs. I guess there's a difference in dynamic between twenty and fifty over cricket because it's almost seen like a signal of strength if you're playing against Rashid Khan in twenty over cricket, where it's like right, we want to hold him off for as long as possible because if you don't get ahead of the game now you know we've got this trump card to come and play, basically. Mm. And so it becomes an advantage like if you're playing. If you've got if you've got an ace up your sleeve, you want to be able to hold it for as long as possible and kind of win win it where it matters. Mm. In 50 over cricket, when kind of Afghanistan had started like slightly worse or whatever, it seemed bizarre. It was like, surely you want to control more of the game immediately. And kind of that literal time is like, oh, he's not on at the moment. It's been an hour and a half. We haven't seen Rashid Khan bowl. Um, but I do think it's, 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 it's hard because I... I like we were just talking there, just praised, we were just praising Afghanistan for like bringing Faruqi back in and having dropped Nora Ahmad and being like, oh God, that's so, such kind of clarity of thought process. And it seems like it's almost quite a set plan. It's like, right, venue dependent, this is what we're going to do. But then against New Zealand, when they opted to bowl first, um, despite having like beaten England in the way that they win games and they did because of the due factor, that's also a clarity of thought process, but it's just potentially just... <laughs> Wrong. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> we were very clear but we were very wrong in our decision yeah. making I guess that again harks back to kind of the Jonathan Trott influence or that coaching group influence where they go right this is how we're going to go about and winning our games uh, even if the captain and the coach might not be on the same page with Rashid all the time yeah and, and oddly there's a one of my favourite cricketers this tournament has been Asmatulla. I reckon he's probably the only player out of the 150 in the 10 World Cup squads who I'd, I think I'd literally never heard of him before the tournament and that's allowed he's 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 done really well. I know he's going, um, I think, at about sevens with the ball. But he's got a couple of half centuries now and he has been providing regular, semi-regular breakthroughs. And he sort of provides the job that Hardik Pandya does for India. And I think he's actually really important for this Afghanistan side because, again, a, a decent seam bowling all-rounder has not been something they've had in previous tournaments. Asmatullah is Hardik Pandya. You're hearing it more and more. There's <laughs> a, I don't know. I, honestly, I didn't want to say this. There's a, literally a, a cricket info article at the moment being like, Asmatullah, is he Afghanistan's Hardik Pandya? And is there like, really? Yeah, and I, 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 like, I genuinely didn't know that. Um, there we go. Anyway. Well, I'm, I'm not accusing you of anything. Um <laughs> But no, it's been, it's been remarkable. And, like, and you've got to also put his innings today in the context of we still don't know if Ikram was going to bat. Ikram, mm, the wicket keeper, broke point. his finger in the first innings. So yes, you can go, okay, they need 110 with seven wickets in hand. They should do that. But actually, for all we know, they're actually four wickets down. And so the pressure of that really kind of goes up. And this is a guy who, I love it when this stuff happens. Like he scores an innocuous single to take him on to like, I don't know, 66 today. And the comms go, he goes, this is highest ever ODI score. You're like, what? <laughs> but, like, yeah, he doesn't have like a wealth of runs behind yeah. him or anything. He's got both of his, he's only got two well, ODI half centuries. They've both come in this World Cup, but he's only played, I think, I think he's still in the single figures in terms of appearances. But he has all of, all of a sudden become this, such a kind of valuable player because if, you, if you're going to bat in top six and send down some seamers, that makes you so valuable to kind of whichever team you're on. I think my one criticism in terms of a game-specific thing, just where Asmatullah's life was made a bit easier, not to take away from his innings as a whole, was that wicket fell. I think it was Rahman Shah got out, having been dropped one ball, caught the next. And it's like, right, here we go. This is this is where the game needs to change. And Sri Lanka kept on Dan and Jaya De Silva. And mm. Asmatullah was able to like literally prod his way to, I think he was 11 off 18. And that was fine. That was no problem at all for the game, like for the game situation. They were still in touch with the board. 
Exactly. They were still going along. Jonathan was still happy. The run rate wasn't becoming too much. And I remember thinking, that is such like a piss easy way to start your innings in a, in a high pressure situation. You've got Tremira bowling gas. You've got Madashank. You've got Teek Shana, who I still, I just watch him and think that there are lots of bowlers. I think this, but I think about him the most, you'd get me out every ball. Just like he bowls at 63 miles an hour at the stumps mm. and goes each way. There are wicket taking options in that side. And so, uh, yeah, what I'm saying is I also would have scored 70 off 60 to uh, <laughs> win, win Afghanistan the game today. Well, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll talk about my moment of the match and look forward to tomorrow's game. Um, yeah, my moment of the, the game is when Ian Smith shamelessly stole our mate Nick Friend from the Cricketer, his viral tweet Outrageous. from the England game, where he said that England were the 43rd nation <laughs> that Nami had beaten in international cricket. Well, firstly, it was my moment because I thought Nick deserved a shout out here because that's not a stat that's been dug out elsewhere and also the tweet went so viral it's impossible for someone yep. to have independently have come <laughs> up with that since Nick's tweet and then second was hearing Mark Nicholas total shock at some of the nations that Navi had beaten your, your, your Bhutans uh, your for example Bhutans. and at one point um, when Smith told him that Maldives were one of the 43 he said wow wh why bother playing cricket when you've got Beautiful archipelagos like that, um, which is not a sentence that Think I thought would be time, yeah. uttered at the start of the day. Um, briefly on Sri Lanka, you talked about their approach to the bat and how Kusar Mendes potentially didn't seize the moment um, when they picked up a couple of wickets. Pretty frustrating game for them because they do have a very talented top six, top seven. I know they've been unlucky with injuries. Kumara was ruled out of this game. Chimira yeah. came back in. He's barely played cricket recently. But it has just been quite a frustrating campaign for them. And Kusar Mendes, actually, on an individual level, he started the World Cup so well. Yeah. Um, he's he became captain halfway through the tournament. Uh, he's now been out in exactly the same way, four innings in a row, playing a slog sweep. And also, you saw a change sort of in how they may be looking to approach things in in um, dropping Kusar Pereira and bringing um, Dimuth Karunaratna, who's a very different yeah. type of opener. It, just, it sort of uh, feels like a campaign that's petering out. Th this is... this loss is so frustrating for Sri Lanka because you kind of they started poorly they had they were not Norton three then they got their two wins on the board and all of a sudden because they hadn't lost in that dramatic fashions they bat they batted well their net run rate was fine and you go right okay beat Afghanistan take your medicine against India next week whatever <laughs> no one's going to beat them ever for the rest of time win against Bangladesh and all of a sudden you're four and four and you it was basically a shootout against New Zealand. Like there was a very mm. formulaic way you could get to the end of Sri Lanka's campaign and you could see they'd sneak into fourth place. And yeah, they've, they've, they've jibbed it basically. Mm. Like we, they've, they've lost a game which was a hard fought contest and they've just come out kind of, they've come out second in out of two basically very comfortably. I think in terms of the batting unit display today, I thought it was really... I thought it was a great example, and we're all guilty of this, but I thought it was a great example of like uh, punditry by hindsight in terms of the criticism of Sri Lanka's innings has uniformly been they weren't they didn't show enough intent. Kusar uh, um, Mendes gets out slog sweeping, and they're like, "You can't play that shot, <laughs> no way." And it's like, well, he's trying to bomb it over the mm. over mid wicket. Like you can't have it both ways, where you can't go for the boundaries and then criticize when people kind of take the kind of foot off the gas. I think Sri Lanka. Yeah, this this is effectively the game that defines their tournament because it has it's and now they're in part now now they're part of the Champions Trophy kind of Europa Conference League <laughs> part of the World Cup as opposed to kind of the the Champions League top four scenario. Whereas yeah. if they, had they won it, they're they kind of they would have lived another two two matches at least because 
yeah, against India, it's a free hit. That's a good point, actually, on their fixture list compared to Afghanistan, because the winner of today, someone would have ended, whatever happened today, someone would have left today having won three matches from the first six. But Sri Lanka's past the semi-final, had they won, would have been simpler than Afghanistan's yeah, because of, as you say, the net run rate and um, the the fixture list. Um, it was interesting that I saw that um, Angelo Matthews less effective with the ball today uh, than he was last week against England. Um, in terms of permutations now, Afghanistan are in fifth place with three wins. Every side has now played six games. Australia and New Zealand are immediately above them in the table with one more win each, yeah. but with vastly superior net run rate. So really, we need Afghanistan to continue this run and one of Australia or New Zealand to get stuck. I would say at this point in time, it's probably more likely that New Zealand do that than Australia. Afghanistan have Netherlands next. New Zealand have South Africa next. So there's every chance that by the weekend, they're actually level on points having played the same number of games. New Zealand also have Pakistan and as Cam mentioned, they also have Sri Lanka. Afghanistan finished with two tough games against Australia and South Africa. But you'd say about South Africa, that the one time they've come up unstuck this tournament was against a spin-heavy side in a run chase. And we know that however good they have batted, they are also a vulnerable-ish side in that you've got Mark Janssen at, at seven and a long tail. How good it would be if South Africa won the World Cup, having lost two matches in the whole competition to the Netherlands and Afghanistan. Be, that'd be wicked. Uh, yeah, I think we've, we've got an opportunity for some kind of like artificial um, tension at the moment with, with Afghanistan um, potentially, kind of, well, not potentially, they will play the Netherlands next next round. There's like explosions happening outside yeah, at the moment, being quite distracted. We hope they're fireworks. Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah it's fine. Um, uh, with Afghanistan uh, taking on the Netherlands next, you'd kind of that's that's just going to be a very good match. Basically, mm. I was going to say oh, Afghanistan favourites, and I don't know if I actually really mean that, but it does give the opportunity for the competition to get further into the group stage with there still a number of kind of permutations mm. around. The one thing I find with all the permutations we're always talking about, it's they're almost always if this team win all their matches and the other team lose all their matches <laughs> then it then, might then it might change and it's like yeah. that, like with New Zealand I've realised that um, I think I was actually I was actually listening to the Wisdom Daily uh, podcast a couple of days ago and you were mentioning how England's route to the semi-finals does involve like New Zealand being the top team that kind of drops away and mm. effectively wins four and then loses five so not to sound too despondent but I'm, I'm being despondent yeah, I think it'd be very 2023 World Cup if Netherlands beat Afghanistan, where you actually get a good result, yeah. but it makes the tournament, tournament worse. Works. We waited so long for good games, and then the second good game actively made the tournament quite a lot worse in terms of interest. Well, it was those two games. It was New Zealand beating Australia, and we kind of needed Australia to win for the sake of the competition. Oh, and- sorry. So we needed... Uh, New Zealand to win, so Australia would have had yes, three three wins from six. That's what I meant. And the same with when South Africa were playing Pakistan. Mm. <laughs> You're kind of like, wow, those are two great games. Oh, no. <laughs> like, like, and Netherlands the, beating Afghanistan would be brilliant. Afghanistan, get, uh, sorry, Netherlands getting the three wins from seven would be an amazing story. But yeah. it makes the tournament quite a lot worse. Don't it makes that last guys. week a lot Don't worse. Don't do it. Roll um, over. Anyway, tomorrow we've got Bangladesh, Pakistan. Pakistan really need to win all three games to even have a chance of qualification, really. Bangladesh... Crucially, though, as Shakib Alassane reminded the world yesterday, are playing for Champions Trophy Incredible. Um, qualification. Uh, Pakistan in a bit of turmoil, though. So today, Inzamam uh, resigned as selector amid allegations of having a conflict of interest. He's allegedly got a stake in a player management 
um, company. Yeah. Pakistan are almost having an England level tournament, but not, but it's not yet over for them. But it's just imploded so quickly. I feel like I kind of blinked and I was like, I, I, I can remember like seven days ago being like, oh, Pakistan might win, might win this <laughs> thing. And they've lost four matches in the row. They're, so basically their equivalent of Luke Wright to England, not quite Luke Wright's not chief selector. Luke Wright allegedly is like the agent of Joss Butler. Yeah. Is that is that what is that what we're going it's, for here? Basically, pretty much, pretty much. Okay. It'd be, it'd be like, it doesn't sound brilliant. Yeah, but um, and then there's and all... there are allegations that then influences his selection over uh, players who are not Josh Butler. Correct. Um, and then we add into this, we've had Bar- Barbara Azam. He had like WhatsApp to journalist or the journalist WhatsApp him. He'd replied, and then they've just taken a screenshot of that and stuck it on national telly. <laughs> which again, like, sorry, Josh Butler's getting drugged through the mud here, but it's basically. So- <laughs> It's like Dean Wilson from the Mirror messaging <laughs> messages Josh Butler. They just screenshot and stick it on then like Sky News, Sky Sports News, yeah. basically. So it all sounds like a very uh, kind of normal things happening there, and uh, they might lose to Bangladesh tomorrow to make it all worse. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've got that to look forward to. Cam, thanks for your time. We'll be back tomorrow for our weekly episode as well as our reaction to Bangladesh, Pakistan. Podcast Network.